Hello. Bonjour. Salam alaikum. Nehao. Guten Tag. Yasu. Toast. Salamat sejahtera. Hola. Edu. Hello and welcome back to my podcast, Nick Meets World, a journey across the world that sees me, Nick Hardings, meeting and talking with someone from every country on the planet, uh, finding out, as you well aware, probably well aware by now, about what it's like growing up in the homeland, how it compares to life here in the UK, and just what makes their home so special. I am really, really sorry that it's been a few weeks since you've last heard from me in the podcast. Uh, I've just started an internship with a TV station here in Kent and my life's been very, very busy and so this podcast has had to just take a back seat for the time being but hopefully this is the start of it getting back up and running again permanently and I've got a fantastic episode here for you to really get your teeth into and so my next guest, it's a brilliant episode to get us back up and running. Um, She's called Lacey Rubio, she's from Havana in Cuba And it's one of the most interesting conversations that you could have about a country this. So really enjoy it. And uh, thanks for welcoming me back onto your phone, tablet, whatever. And enjoy this one. So hello, Lacey. Hello, Nick. Uh, How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's been far too long since I last saw you. Um, So thank you very much for coming in to help me out today. It's Uh, my pleasure. Especially at the last minute. You've been an absolute legend for doing that. Ah, It's okay. I promise I will come. You did, indeed. This has been a long time in the making, this podcast. So I'm very excited to get my teeth into it. I'm excited too. Um, So the very first question I've got for you, Lacey, is whereabouts in Cuba are you from? Well, I'm from Havana. I have lived in three neighborhoods of Havana. Um, I think each of the three of them are like humble neighborhoods. The first one is called Buena Vista. It's like look sight, look good, something like that. Yeah. And then I live in a place called Marianao. And actually I'm I'm living in Centro Habana. It's like uh, the center of Havana. It's close to all Havana. It's most known place by all tourists that visit Cuba. But yeah, I've lived in three places and growing in Havana is different even if you live in this kind of the same neighborhood. For example, Buena Vista, Marianao, they share these um, more humble places, but you have a schools in the same neighborhood. You have um, these kind of places where people can practice sports. Um, yeah, people do their daily life pretty much the same in, in Havana. Yeah, and we, I was saying to you beforehand, before we started recording, that I think Cuba might end up being the most different place uh, of all the guests I've spoken to. It might be the most different um, area that I've spoken to someone from. Uh, how true do you reckon that is now that you've lived in England for a little bit? How different is the country to the UK? It's so different. I think the main thing that brings us together is that we were both Icelands and Every person that lives in an Iceland, in some sort of way, they feel the same. We have a Cuban poet, it's called Virgilio Piñera. Um, he has a poem, and the beginning of, um, of the poem is like the bloody circumstance of water everywhere. And, but at the same time, that pulls the creativity of each island, because um, the people who live in this kind of isolated um, piece of earth, they need to find new solutions and being creative to 
develop themselves. So Cuba is so different from the UK, um, not just in infrastructure or, for example, the UK is the most tech country I have seen. And so far I've, I visited um, Holland and I went to Italy as well. But you can see how organized you are and how well think you have all the processes from transportation to construction to business development and investment and how quick you can see, uh, for example, a building to from the ground to the latest floor. Uh, we can see it here in Gillingham and you think about how difficult, how long it takes to build. Um, a building like that in Cuba sometimes because of resources, because of um, bad management of the construction process. And, but on the other hand, people are so different. I was going uh, to say, like, does, you, you've kind of explained Britain quite well in being like technologically advanced and infrastructurally advanced, but it, does it kind of rob Britain of its character whereas Cuba just seems to be a place that's bursting full of character when you first come to the UK you can I think that's one of the biggest things that hit you is that we are such warm people we hug each other all the time <laughs> uh, actually we had the experience in our newsroom in our classroom at the beginning I, I was more shy but then I tried to pull yourself out of the shell And we start saying good morning, uh, buenos dias, calimera, uh, <laughs> bonjour, trying to be more inclusive because yes. that's the best way that people have to get to know each other and be more comfortable in the same space. So sometimes I feel like it's not that you are not um, warm enough. It's like you have like a lot of things first in your life before being that open and I have had the chance and the privilege to know people like you that are more open more warm but um, it it takes it time it's, it's not that easy to meet someone yeah. that from the first moment is so open or but if I if I was to fly over to Havana tomorrow do you think and, and that's just, contagious let's, Havana let's... is contagious <laughs> I, I think that we are like a uh, we, we are like a pot and every person that gets into that pot it just melt we melt people with love and with the hot weather because <laughs> it's so hot and and people in Cuba they, they're just like that they they are going to give you the best welcome and I'm not just saying Havana I'm actually I'm, I'm especially saying the people who live in uh, the most um Like the rural? Yes, rural yeah. parts of Cuba. They they are so... Um, th they are just giving people. Yeah. And sometimes they are the ones who has less. Yeah, yeah. That That's quite true. A lot of places that you go to, actually, um, to be fair, those who have less seem to just be giving more because they're so used to not having less. I don't know. I don't know what the explanation behind it is. But, you know, metaphorically speaking, if I was to step off a plane tomorrow and arrive in Cuba, do you think I would just be welcomed then with open arms, my English accent would go down an absolute treat with people? Would you reckon I'll just enjoy myself as soon as I get off the plane? I guarantee you, Nick, that that will happen. For a long, long time, uh, because of the way that the country worked, uh, we privileged the tourists in, for example, hotels or um, some leisure places like beaches, Um, 
right now it's not that way, luckily for all of our people. But um, anywhere you go, you you will find music, you will find people that will want to help you. Uh, at the beginning, they are going to speak you in Spanish <laughs> with a, a English accent like you were going to understand, yeah. even if they're saying the same things in Spanish, but with a English accent. But uh, yes, yes, we haven't lost our essence. And I think that's one of our best um, characteristics as a Cuban people. And you've kind of mentioned it already that Cuba has been a bit more of an isolated country. Um, it's kind of been just, I'm, I'm a, I could be wrong and please correct me if I am wrong, but it sounds like it's just kind of been surviving on its own two feet. Yeah. Over the last, oh, how many years now? 60, uh, 70 More than years? 60 years. Um, how has that been growing up in a country like that? Because it's something that, I don't know. Maybe after Brexit, the the UK <laughs> the UK might have to uh, live learn to live with. But le growing up in a country like Britain, you know, it, it seems like another world. It seems worlds away from what I would be used to. Can you imagine um, that fear that that you may sense of the change that Britain may face if they finally split or leave the mm. EU, um, and suddenly you are living in a country that decided to remain um, faithful to what the people um, chose yeah. in 1959. Um, and there was a very huge collective effort to pass through, especially the 90s, at where our most difficult stage. And, and yeah, we, we kept our health, our free health system. We kept our free... Um, education system yeah. and even though it's not perfect and we have faced um, and we are keep struggling with things that of course uh, are not entirely well mm. um, we keep those things and yes it's difficult we we have had blackouts we have had periods where people have felt more necessities or the lack of um, articles like I don't know toilet paper Maybe the food has been um, quite an issue to find. Yeah, yeah. But um, you always see the effort or the government effort to, to try to give people the access to, to those opportunities, saying health, education, and trying to fix. But sometimes it's not, it's not that easy. We, sometimes we see all the doors closed. And for Cubans, sometimes it, this could be like a thing that it's always said. But the U.S. embargo, you cannot, you cannot avoid to talk about that when you're talking about economy. Yeah, of course. And and recently, you you can see it so clear with Trump's policies towards Cuba. He has blocked the travels. He has prevent um, the cruise boats to to go to Cuba, and a lot, a, a great percentage of tourists were were getting Cuba through those kind of um, tourist package. Yeah, yeah. saying it, and. And each time a door is closed, you have to find a new way. Exactly. And most of times it's a spencier way to buy goods for for um, alimentation and yeah. transportation. It's, it's quite challenging. So how unfair do you think, uh, sorry, how unfairly do you think that Cuba has been treated then as a country? Well, um It has been unfair because each country has or should has its own um, determination to decide its path. 
and we have been blamed for keeping our own path. We haven't heard anyone deciding to choose a different political system, and despite of that, we keep receiving all these attacks, uh, especially economic embargoes and yeah, yeah. all these fines that sometimes is not against our country but are against companies that work with our country. And yeah. At the end, you keep struggle um, and you keep uh, trying to um, drown us. Yeah. And yes, it's it's really hard, especially for new generations. It's more complicated to understand how this work and how, for example, the embargo is like a real thing. But um, I think Trump has helped us to to see it in a very clear way. Recently, we we saw a change with Obama, and we saw like um, it was like a dome when the countries reestablished their relationships in yeah. 2014, um, and we kept hope. Even the um, um, it's like the non-statal sector um, saw a space to grow, but. Uh, so far, with all the measures, everyone is 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 just affected by them. So, as a Cuban, when you've travelled overseas, um, when you've lived here, when you've been over to, as you said beforehand, the Netherlands and Italy, um, do people find it particularly fascinating? Do they find are they scared of Cubans? What do you think? What? I think they found us um, fascinated, but not not in a scary way. I think we are like. Um, um, like an enigma. Yeah, yeah. But the first reaction is always good. It's, yeah. It's, it's warm. It's like, oh my God, you're from Cuba and they want to know. They want to ask you. They probably will mention Fidel. Yeah, of course. I think everyone who has heard from it, Cuba yeah. um, has, has heard from Fidel. And in some way that gives you a chance to show others how, how is your culture, how, how is your history. So, so yes. And so, um, and here, sorry, yeah, and here yeah, in course. the UK is quite funny because we have these um, leisure places called the Cuban. Yes. In a lot of places, um, I've I've seen the the one in Canterbury, and I've seen the one in Bristol, and we have um, Revolución de Cuba as well. So it's 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 quite a funny finding this yeah. piece of Cuba in the UK. And 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 how. How accurate does it represent Cuba? These little play, uh, these little bits that you find ah, in the in UK a, in a very commercial way, but very commercial, stereotypical way. Yeah, but it's fine. Pictures it's, of sh- like I don't know um, yeah, Fidel have... Castro and Che Guevara. I know Che Guevara is not Cuban, but no, but it's related yeah, to our yeah. story. No, but sometimes, it's, for example, posters of Cuban uh, movies, and, okay. and that's really it's really nice to find because Pe- that's part of our uh, iconographic yeah. uh, history. And you can find the Cuban flag. Yeah. And I don't know if you have had that feeling before, Nick, but when you are uh, abroad and you are traveling and suddenly you find your your flag, no matter if it's on, on a building or if you find it in this souvenir store, there's this flame of proud that comes from inside. Y- yeah, I, I think sometimes. Especially maybe- when... Because it's Cuba, you know, yeah. there's there's more than 160, 160 countries and suddenly you find yeah. in, in the, I don't know, in a wall, yeah, the, country, yeah. the, the flag of your country. So uh, it's, a, it's a very beautiful feeling. Yeah, I can imagine. And, uh, and people out the smoking areas of these places smoking big Cuban cigars <laughs> as well. Yeah, again, lazy. commercial image. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, to be fair, I, I, I don't smoke myself, but I've, I've tried some Cuban cigars and you do feel really cool smoking them. I think if you go to Cuba, you you want to have the whole experience. Exactly. Exactly. So you're gonna have the rum. You're gonna have oh, your of course, the Cuban rum. tobacco. Yeah. And you're gonna be all fancy, seeing the mountains of Viñales, or maybe uh, having your smoke in front of Baradero Beach. So yes. That sounds like an absolute dream come true. <laughs> that does. Um, okay, we'll go on to what you've just mentioned there, and that's like Cuba's landscape. Um, because most, most of the people would know about Cuba are like the cool beaches. Because um, a lot of the time, if someone travels from Britain, they'd go along to the, the tourist hotspots. Yes, yes. And they know like old Havana with all the old cars and all the old buildings. Um, can you explain what, what it looks like when you get there in terms of the mountainous regions, the beaches and the cities? And yeah, how, how different they might be to people's expectations or how similar they might be? Well, uh, if you land in Havana, I think one of the first things you will want to do is go to Old Havana because it's like this traditional part of the city and you will find these old buildings and it's, it's quite commercial, but it's beautiful in its mm. way and it has been reconst- reconstructed and a lot of effort has been put in that part to try to keep it um, as it was. Ah, that's good. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm really glad to hear that because... I was worried that like um, I'd, I'd get there too late and all because I, I, I've always wanted to go and I was worried that I'd get to Cuba too late and miss all that. No, no, especially in Old Havana, they have a program. They have the it's like a historian officer uh, by one of our biggest um, personalities in Cuba. It's called Eusebio Leal Spengler. Uh, he's an intellectual and he has led this project of uh, res- restoration of the old Havana, trying to keep the buildings as it was. Um, it um, a school of uh, re- restoration is is the yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. It was um, founded in old Havana as well, so they can uh, teach these young people how to um, work with artworks and old buildings. Ah, okay, yeah. So, um, so yes, but you can see that all postcard of Havana when yeah. you walk um, in there, especially in Obispo Street. Um, you will find souvenirs, you will find a lot of places with Cuban music. But then if you walk, well, of course, you, you're going to see the Malecon that is like this big coach. We, we call it like a big coach that uh, surrounds Havana. Okay. You can see the sea from there. Ah, lovely. Especially at night. It's so beautiful because mm. you can see the sunset. Um, a lot of friends used to see their friends, lovers, families at all time of the day, actually. But especially at night, it's quite beautiful. And you can go to one part of the city to the other just walking through that place. Yeah. Um, during hurricane times, it's not that good because we have a lot of sea penetrations and for the people who live there, there could be dangerous. Yeah, yeah, cool. Especially the houses used to get, um, well, a lot of water inside of them. And how how, how long does hurricane season last in Cuba? Um, well, it's from, I think it's from June to November. Okay, If I'm yeah. accurate. Yeah. Or July to November, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But uh, we have had very strong hurricanes um, in these last years. And it's, it's really difficult because, once again, we have 
few economic resources mm. and suddenly you have to put those resources in the places where they are most needed. Mm. And sometimes it's, it's like doing the same way, doing more with the same things. But sometimes in moments like that, moments of tragedy, mm-hmm. it can bring the best out of um, a nation or the best out of a group of people because it pulls everyone together. I would love to tell you about what happened recently. Uh, it was a tornado. Okay. That's very unusual in Cuba. Yeah, yeah. But affects some parts of Havana and suddenly people start organizing themselves from a Facebook post. Okay. So that start uh, with the faculty of communication, someone who asked, uh, how can we help? And from that post, a lot of people start gathering things that um, could help these people that were damnified by the tornado. Yeah. And they start putting all those things in specific points of Havana. They even um, organized the transportation and the donations were given specifically to the people that needed uh, if you are a family with child um, the organizers arranged those things that were more useful to you and it was such a um, natural and unplanned yeah it just, ha- it, it just happened it was just organic yeah it was so organic and I was so proud of seeing how my people just Re- react in in, yeah. in times of adversity, and I think it's it, it's been the most genuine uh, organization that I have seen in this kind of disasters. Yeah, and it was pretty cool to see how you can connect um, network and social media platforms with the real life, especially in these times of needs. Do you think now this might be a this could give a controversial answer? Um, do you think that living in a socialist country, communist country, I don't know what you want to call it yourself. Socialist. Socialist? Yes, get it to... Do you think then that living in a socialist country helps that kind of unity and helps provide that um, common goal of overcoming these kind of troubles? I think it does because um, most of our history has to do with unity and, and doing things as one but it also has to do and i think it also has to do with culture roots because i think cuban population react the same like two centuries ago <laughs> not, not just from the revolution yeah but it certainly helps if you have a, a government or um, a political projection of uh, no one left behind we have to yeah yeah we have to um, move forward all together even though if that's the original dream, uh, but but yes, in some way that that keeps you, that tries to get the best out of you. And that history of Cuba, something that I find particularly interesting, I hope the listeners will find interesting as well. Um, can you try and explain it a little bit for the last like couple of hundred years? I know this might be a bit... Uh, I might be asking you too much here, but what little bits and bobs particularly um, define what Cuba is today? Okay, um, I'll try to make it like quite short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we won't have a whole history lecture. That will be for another podcast. That will. <laughs> okay, we um, we had. Uh, I don't know if this is the correct term, but we had Indian population 
okay, living yeah. in Cuba in the 16th century. So it's like that's would that be your native population? Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. So um, in 1542, Chris, Christopher Columbus. Yes, I know him well. Well, um, <laughs> he came to Cuba and everything changed for the first time. <laughs> yeah. So the natives were gone because of uh, the Spanish that started colonizing Cuba. Yep. So we had um, we had two centuries of. Spanish coloni- colonization. Yeah. Then in 1868 started the first revolution, the first Cuban revolution. It began with um, the father of our homeland called Carlos Manuel de Céspedes. He released his slave and he called for a revolution. Okay, yeah. So that, um, that was the first um, or, or the beginning of our revolution history. Then we, have, then we had Jose Martí. He's our national hero, and I think he's the um, uh, well, he's the intellectual author, uh, author of Cuban Revolution, as Fidel called him. Okay. He's one of the greatest m- men that we have had in our history, a thinker not just for Cuba but also for Latin America and the world. Mm. An amazing writer, an amazing poet, and especially an amazing Cuban. I think he understood the essence of what we are and what what should we achieve as as a Cuban people. Yeah. So we had Marti and we had uh, this second revolution uh, that was also failed. Then uh, in 1982, well, during during 1899 and 1982, we, we were winning. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we were winning. But then the U.S. came, <laughs> as always, and, and they tricked um, Cuban troops. And at the end, yeah. We, the Spanish left. Okay. Because of a treat that the U.S. Yeah. made with them. Um, but then what supposed to be a victory for us ended being uh, a victory for them. Okay. They were, they put their eyes in Cuba from centuries ago. Yeah. Like they, they call it like we are the fruit that is supposed to fall into their hands ah, because right. of the... Um, Geographical position. Yeah, yeah. It's like when the fruit is mature, it should fall yeah. into re- their hands. Yeah. So um, actually during that period, the occupation period, they made um, one clause that is the one that they claim to support the fact that they have the base naval, the naval base yeah. in Guantanamo. Ah, that, I see. That That's is I, or, illegally... Um, positioned still yeah. in Cuba. Yeah. But that's back up in, in 1901, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, like a special resolution. Okay. So I, d- I, had, I had absolutely no idea that's where it, um, where it came from or that's what, how it's still there. Yeah, it's supposed to last for 100 years because of the treatment. But um, as you've seen, they're still there. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't want to leave. No, and I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon, are they, Lacey? No, and we haven't pulled them off because we cannot start uh, a fight. Yeah, of course. That, that could have... Um, it could cause some trouble. More than troubles. We, we'll, yeah. we'll be putting in danger yeah, yeah. our whole island. And so we're into like the big. 20th century now in way where so you're explaining. Then, and then like, this had, is where it like really starts to Yeah. Then we had off. a lot of... Uh, a period of 59 years where we had um, governments 
of from Cuba, but um, working for the U.S. Yeah, like a puppet government. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that stage um, began to bring people angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, began to... Um, people start about a change. Yeah. That's yeah. when Fidel and this whole bunch of young people decided to make the change because they were young as you and yeah, me. Yeah. And yeah, they they started organizing different actions. They decided to go for the for the arms in the um rural parts of Cuba. Yes. While in the cities it was um propaganda um distribution um munition orga- uh, organization. Yeah. So um at the end in 1959 um January 1st, uh, the revolution triumph. January the 1st? Yeah. Oh, wow. What and, a day. and since then, we have tried to build a different, um, more better country, uh, of course, with um, tough times, especially yeah. the 90s. I, I would dare to say that it has been our most difficult part. So, like, by having that day that you, well, not you personally, but your ancestors maybe, um, saw independence, like proper independence, or the revolution, whatever you want to call it, um, in 1959. On January the 1st, you've just had New Year's Eve. Does now Nowadays, when you celebrate that day in Cuba, is it just this massive celebration across a couple of days? Or what's it like? Yeah, we have, um, how do you say, when you have um, national... Holiday. Holidays? Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 quite good because we... we we wait for the new year, and we yeah. also celebrate uh, a year of the of the Cuban Revolution. And in Spanish, what do you call that? Um, yeah, it's uh, Triunfo de la Revolución. Okay, yeah, that, that I can make sense of that. I think Triumph, Triunfo. Yeah. Uh, Cuban Revolution, Revolución Cubana. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. easy, easy yeah. peasy. <laughs> this Spanish malarkey is so easy, isn't it? Um, so yeah, is it like a big celebration? What do you do? What do you get up to? Um, yeah, um, well, we stay at home um, because most families gather during New Year's Eve. Yeah. So you you wait for twelve. You make a toast. You hug each other. Sometimes you, um, I don't know how to say that. You take um, this cupboard. Okay. Or you fill it with water. Yeah. And then you put all the bad things of the year in that water. Okay, you And then right, you throw yeah. it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's but you cannot do that all the years. You yeah, have I, to know when to do it. Okay, right. Because otherwise you're just throwing away your luck. Yeah, for yeah. The next so year. it has to be like a particularly bad year. Yeah. 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 Like there's a I don't know how many people do this in England, but there's something similar that has been so, that a tradition that myself and my family do is that you um you I think you open the back door first of your house mm-hmm. and you let the old year out the back door and then you go to the front door of the house and you open up the door and you let the new year in. What happened if you forget the keys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, well, you just, have, you just have two years meeting each other, and it 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 could be it could be disastrous. Yeah. It could be absolutely disastrous, lady. But it's nice to see that, like you know, you've got your own little tradition that's and if similar. You want, and if you want to travel, you you took your suitcase and you round 
the block. You walk the streets. Yeah, okay. All around the blocks. And then you return. And if you do that, you'll certainly travel that year. <laughs> Is that something that you do? Wow. It takes all sorts. That's brilliant. Um, so it, it doesn't sound like it's a huge celebration then for you. It just sounds like a quite a calm, quiet... Yeah, I think yeah. Recently, recently is more it's more quiet. I I don't Do remember if at the beginning of the revolution maybe there was like a parade or something. Yeah, Do I, you have I, a little bit of rum. Yeah, of course, a bit. Yeah, a bit. No, a lot. Oh, good. A lot. That's of good rum. to hear. Yeah, That's very if good you to hear. if you are wearing if you are waiting New Year uh, New Year, you will have always rice and beans that we call congri. Yes. You will have pork. Beautiful. Of course. Uh, tostones. Not sure what they it's are. It's like fried plantain. Okay, interesting. That, yeah. that sounds like... Avocado, tomato, yeah. if you have it, because sometimes it's hard to find. Yeah. Um, yeah, and for dessert, maybe a flan, maybe, I don't know, torrejas. You're going to have to explain uh, that one too. There I was thinking I could understand Spanish, but no, not at oh, all. Oh, flan, flan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That w- and torrejas is like bread um, with milk and egg. You fry them and then you put it in a bowl with some sort of um, maple syrup. Ah, But okay, a, yeah, a homemade yeah, syrup. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's delicious and grandmas know how to do it yeah. the best. <laughs> grandmas always know how to cook yes, food the best, the best, don't they? Cuban grandmas are, are the best. <laughs> I miss my grandma. <laughs> Is she waiting for you there? Yeah. When, when you go back to yeah, Cuba? Yeah, she asked me, when, where are you going back? Where are you going <laughs> of course. Um, and that food as well that we've started to kind of like delve into and I'm, I haven't had my dinner yet so I'm particularly... Oh, I forgot yuca. Oh, okay, go on then. Yuca is, is also like a vianda. Right. Explain. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I have seen something like that here in the markets. Well, it's called yuca. Uh, well, if anyone's listening, then they can look it up. How do you spell it? It's um, Y-U-K-A. That sounds about right. <laughs> if not, you know, just good luck trying to find it. Just say it as it is. Okay, Nick is going to put it in, in the abstract of the podcast. <laughs> That's a great idea. I could put it as the logo for the yes. podcast. Um, but yeah. It's... And it's fine because uh, you know how you write uh, UK? Yeah. If you read it wrong in Spanish, <laughs> yeah. you always say yuca because that's how you say K in, in Spanish. And does that make your belly rumble every time you think of it? Yeah, that? but that's how I call the UK sometimes. It's ah, like yuca. So we're a, I'm living in the yuca so right now. <laughs> we're a little dessert for you. And it's not like a dessert. It's like, um, it's like potato, something like that. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. but it tastes really good. All right, I think I could try Pork that. I think with I could give that. yuca? Yeah. Oh, my God. Does it make you miss home? Yeah? So much. In fact, you know what? I, I've completely forgotten. I've got some of these questions in front of me, Lacey. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, if you had to pick between Cuba and the UK to live in forever for the rest of your life, where where would you choose and not, and why would you choose one place over the other? I think I have enjoyed living here and I have learned a lot, not only about the country, but also about myself and my capabilities of being in a different place. Yeah. How to overstep every challenge that life keeps you giving. But I have also learned that it's not the place where you live, it's 
it's the people you have around. Yeah, yeah. And in some way, I know that my experience in the UK have been great because I have this bunch of friends that are the most spectacular that I have found in this place. Mm. And without them, anything will be the same. So if I will have to choose a place, I think I will choose the one where my people is. Yeah. Because it's not about of how many things you can buy in a shop. It's mm. not about of maybe how much money you will have in your back bank account, even though that's important. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you don't have anyone to share it or if you feel alone, it's, it's life that. It's, yeah, that's not what life's about, it's, is it? It's just that. Yeah, exactly. You know, what... what how how much what i would love to have the chance of doing is to live in cuba and had the amazing opportunity of keep coming back ah right okay yeah. but maybe then you need to find or yourself or otherwise <laughs> find yourself a british husband then lazy that might <laughs> for everyone who's who's i don't uh, think so nick i don't think so for everyone who can't see right now um lacy grimaced a little bit at the thought of having a british <laughs> husband Clearly, British men haven't had the impact on Macy. Oh, dear. Oh, well, you know, we try. We try. Um, So You are amazing friends. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you've been great to to have as well as one of our mates, classmates, whatever you want to call it. It's been good fun. Um, Something else I wanted to touch on to do with Cuba... Because I don't really know enough. I'm, I've, I've made an assumption on this front. It's about religion. I'm going to assume that religion plays an important part in Cuban culture. Yes, it does. Which surely kind of contradicts one of the kind of pillars of socialism slash communism a little bit, that you don't really have gods. Um, no, but once again, if if we have claim, respect for our own decisions in the political field, we have to respect others' um, political decisions or affiliations as well as religions. Yeah. And it hasn't been like that during all our whole history, but recently, luckily, um, everyone can practice any kind of, of religion in Cuba. And it's it's quite interesting to see that we, um, we can coexist with people that believe in Afro-Cuban religion that was brought by the slaves in in the first centuries, in yeah. the 16th, 17th century. And it was the way that slaves had to keep praying their own gods yeah. under the Spanish supervision. Mm. So they made this f- fusion of the Spanish um, gods Ah, okay. So um, they made like a parallel with Cuban um, gods or African gods. Yeah. So um, that transculturation that we call it uh, is the result of what the Afro-Cuban religion is, but in in sort way what we are. Because you can also see people that are devoted to Catholicism or to Christianism and yeah, everyone has its own space and you can practice. And we have a phrase, uh, it's from another poet, Cuban poet, that is um, the one, well, el que no tiene de Congo tiene de Carabalí. I understood every word of that. It's like, <laughs> if you don't, it's like the one that doesn't have of this, yeah, 
with half of this. It's like we are so mixed. Okay, yeah. That yeah. you cannot escape from 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 that mix yeah. of texture of religions and yeah. unbelievers. It, is it a country that you feel safe in as well? I think you do. And of course, like every country, there are places that you know that if you walk alone in the middle of the night, you are more exposed to Ex- danger. Exactly, yeah. But most of places are safe. And it would be better if you ask someone who has been in Cuba how they felt. Because especially for kids, I've seen some kids of um, my friends that go to Cuba for holidays and they love it just because they can play in the streets and it's not a big deal and it, it, they don't need the supervision of an adult because they are safe, they are in their neighborhood, yet they can play with their um, other child. And yeah, I, I think it's still being a safe place. And if you if you just want to go to discover beautiful places, especially Cuba has a lot of amazing natural landscapes and and people that have landscapes as well. Yeah, I will totally recommend it. What's your favorite bit of Cuba then? Mm, I'll say that I have this beautiful place that I worked in for a while. It's in Baracoa. It's like the this is this is the east, the west. Uh in the eastern part yes, of Cuba. Yes. And there's a place that um is called Yumuri. And if you if you if you stand in the bridge and you look to your right, you will see huge mountains oh, wow. and a river. But if you look to your left, you will see the end of the river and the sea. Oh, really? Yes. And when when the sea is low, mm. you can even stand on that kind of sand formation mm. because of the constantly clash of the river against the sea. And if, if you're lucky, you can stand there and see the whole natural landscape it's just amazing and does the sun ever set over that as yes, well of course. oh that sounds that sounds like heaven on earth yeah that it does is. and it's one of the most humble places i've been in cuba mm. but it's just lovely so like the the pace of life must be out in a place like that the pace of life life must just be so re- relaxed and laid back yeah yeah Especially if you're going for holidays, but even the people who live there, they have like a more slow um, motion yeah. timing than those who live in Havana. In Havana, everything is more crowded. Everyone is more hurry. I tell you what, after a year of, of working on a master's course, it's that's doing something like that and going to see something like that right now, because, especially because the British sunshine's not exactly doing doing uh, much work at the moment. That sounds absolutely incredible. And it is. I'd love to go and see something like that. You have that. to go, Nick. I will do. I will do. And this having this conversation with you has really kind of inspired me to do it. Um, I've really enjoyed it so far, by the way, as well, Lacey. But we're going to come to an end. Um, just wanted to get one last thing. I know you're shaking your head. I know that you don't want it to, to end. Um, but we're we're already pushing into the forty minute mark. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so you know, um, we've we've covered quite a lot. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in this short space of time. But yeah, the last thing I wanted to ask you, which is I'm asking all my guests, Lacey, is like a, a, a typical Cuban phrase or saying or quote or whatever um, that lots of Cuban people say, or it's just like, you know, your everyday phrase if needs be, or it could be quite funny. What have you got for us? And obviously in Spanish, because if people don't know, Cuban speaks Spanish. I would love to do an <laughs> homage to uh, these famous Cuban cartoons that they yes, are called El Pidio Valdez. Um, El Pidio represents the image of a Cuban fighter during the first revolution. Yes. Um, and it's, it's the most known and loved Cuban cartoon by every generation. So what, who is the cartoon? What do they... Like, who are they? Are they an animal? Are they a person? Or... El Pidio, El Pidio is... is, is um, uh, it's not a man. I think El Pidio is like a young uh, man. Okay, yeah. That is fighting for Cuba. But it's a very funny cartoon yeah. made of um, by Juan Padron. And it's very typical. It's very Cuban. It has a um, very special way to tell the history of Cuba during this first revolution um, stage. And at the end of each chapter, it always says the same. And I think that it will serve to say goodbye. It's like, hasta la vista, compay. Okay, hasta la vista, compay. Well, actually, it's, eso habría que verlo, compay. Can you... Because sometimes it says one or the yeah. other. But um, the most important one is like, eso habría que verlo. Esa. Eso. Eso. Habría. Habría. Que verlo. Que verlo. Compay. Compay. Compay is like um, a very Cuban way to refer to someone. It's like calling brother. Okay, yeah. Other, other person, but especially in the rural parts. Yeah. So um, that phrase, you can use it when someone is daring you or when someone is um, trying to threat you, threaten okay. you. Okay. And, and you say like, uh, yeah, let's see. It's ah, okay. In some sort of way, if it's, it's that. Like, bring it on. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Like, good luck. Eso habría que verlo, compay. Well, I'm going to try one more time. Eso habría... 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 Que verlo. Eso habría que verlo, compay. Compay. Boom. We did it. <laughs> Lacey, thank you very, very much for thank coming you, to help Nick, me at such short me. notice. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed me it too. Me too. Brilliant. And... Um, Yes, we'll be seeing you next week, everyone. Thank you very much, Lacey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Adios. Well, that was just uh, a great episode to come back to. That was, I'm blown away at how interesting um, Cuba is as a country and how well Lacey told the story of Cuba as well. It's been... I know I say this every every single time, but that's just been one of the easiest, one of my, my what, most enjoyable conversations I've had. Um, and I really hope that you've enjoyed it and you've learned a lot too because there was so much there um, for us to enjoy and hear about the country of Cuba. Um, I'm, I'm really sorry again that it's taken me a few weeks to get this next episode back up and running, but hopefully this is the start of getting it back on track again. Um, I've been very, very busy, but yeah, so if you just want to keep on reviewing, subscribing to and rating the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. You can catch it on Spotify, catch it on iTunes and listen to it on CSR FM. Um, and have a lovely weekend, have a lovely week, and thank you very much for having the patience and tuning back in with me. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Au revoir. Khoda hafiz. Jagi. Auf Wiedersehen. Adios. Narausia. Selamat tinggal. Adios. Hachifo.